Hello, friends. Welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. We've been married for 25 years, and we've seen the best of times, and we've seen the worst of times. We also have four awesome kids who are growing up and leaving our nest. We've loved doing this podcast, and we're excited for it to continue. We don't have it all figured out, but we do have a lot of life experiences. Since becoming a life coach, I'm so excited to share with you the tools I've learned to help you in this journey we call life. Hey, friends. Welcome. Glad you're with us this week. Uh, as promised last week, we, uh, we talked about sex uh, from the guy's perspective, and we brought back Amanda Louder with us today. She's a certified life coach and comes from uh, a conservative Christian background and helps couples with their sex life. She's a sex therapist. Uh, she's got a great website, amandalouder.com. And uh, she's got a podcast. Uh, Amanda, what's the podcast? It's called Sex for Saints. I love that. I wanted you to say it. It just sounded so good. It's so fun, so original. Um, and so last week, we, we talked about from his needs perspective. We're going to talk this week from her needs perspective. So, babe, uh, help us kind of jump into this subject and walk our listeners through this a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know why, but I tend to think about sex a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So anyways, um, I just, lots of questions, but one of them I've been thinking about is how is it possible women to feel desired as well as be desired? What are some ways that women can feel that? Because I didn't always feel desirable or feel desired in my marriage. Yeah. So Desire is an interesting thing because we think that it comes from the other person and their actions and words towards us, but it really comes from within us. And so part of this is just knowing that you are desirable and validating yourself in that and showing up as your best self so that you are desirable. You know, when we are acting in our, out of our best self, we truly are desirable and we have to recognize that within ourselves, and quit worrying so much about what our partner is or is not doing. Right, which is really hard. <laughs> it is hard. But I, I totally agree with what you just said. But like, do you think it's important in your sexual part of your marriage if you don't have that desire? Of course it's important. But a good sex life comes from a healthy sense of self first. We have to have a good relationship with ourself first in order to truly be sexual and be desirable and desire. Right. So, and then the second key to that is also having a good relationship. So those two key components have to be there in order to have a really, truly fulfilling sexual relationship. Yeah. And I think so many women, we have a bad sense of ourselves, right? Yes. We don't like ourselves. So it's like, and I have lived years with feeling this way. Yep not liking myself. So if I don't like myself, of course, my husband's not going to be attracted as attracted or well, he, like me he might be. He might be, but I won't feel it. But you're him. not right. You're not going to feel it. You're yeah. not going to believe it because you don't believe it within yourself. That's so true. That's and I, so true. I would say as, you know, when you go from being a couple to being now I'm full-time mom mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, if I'm not feeling sexy or I'm not feeling tired. Like how in the world could I think that my husband finds me sexy? Right. How in the world could I, like, I don't feel sexy. And like, I haven't had a shower in two days <laughs> and I yeah. haven't gotten out of these yoga pants and like whatever you are, as opposed to saying like, no, I've got to believe that. Yeah. But okay. You're a man. Yeah. Even when she hasn't showered in two days, even when she's covered in vomit, 
do you still I don't love even think her we smell the vomit. I think that like, you <laughs> right? look past that and you're like, babe, I, I don't get know if it. Kevin's the right person to ask that. No, question. but no, I'm, I'm being serious. No, I, I'm being brutally honest yeah. to say, I think that, that definitely you can look at that and say, I get that scenario. Yeah. And you can, you can move from zero to 60 a lot quicker to say a quick shower and I'll meet you in the bedroom like right. that fast. Right. Because you are, she is still your wife yep. and you love her and it doesn't matter to you. Yep. And you know, we as women, we think that sexy is what the media and corporations tell us young, yeah. tight and perky. Mm-hmm. And sexy is all about owning what you've got, what, Ever that is. I can tell you, my wife has gotten sexier the older she's gotten. Right? Yep. Right? And yep. that's what I hear from men. Yeah. Like, I talk to men about this all the time, and none of them are like, well, she needs to be a certain size and have a certain size boobs and stuff. That No, nobody says that. They're like, I love her. I just want her to love herself mm-hmm. and see her, see how yeah. beautiful she is. Like, I think she is. I don't care that she doesn't look like an 18-year-old anymore. She's born my children. Yeah. She is so sexy the way she is, and I just want her to feel that because it's true. Yeah. No, it is so true. And I think women, we have work to do. We've got to do For better. Sure. Because if you want a healthy sex life, you're going to have to love yourself. And I've worked in retail for a while, and it's interesting. You see women that are size zero, and they hate themselves. Right. And then maybe a bigger size, a 12 or 14 or whatever size. Yeah. And they command great energy and they're happy and vibrant. Because it's not about size. It's not. And so, but unfortunately in our society, we have this vision of it being that size. And I mean, lots of men have affairs even with a supermodel. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like these beautiful women are getting cheated on. So it's not about that. It's not about that. No. And it's really about like, you're going to be so much more desirable and feel that within yourself when you love yourself. That's a, I mean, that's a great point. I think that, again, I, I can see it just in my own wife, but I can see it with other women. Exactly what you've just said is that they, they will feel sexier. They'll dress differently, kind of spruce themselves up. They kind of do all those different things. And so they do feel sexier and they're bringing it and all that. And that, that's a chemistry and an, and some sort of an aura that they throw off and mm-hmm. guys pick up on that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times a misconception is that women are the low desire, but that, is that always true? Nope. <laughs> nope. About, um, about 40% of the time women are higher desire. We just don't talk about it <laughs> and it's not and why don't like we, the norm yeah. for, because we're, we have this narrative that men are the sexual ones. Mm-hmm. So men are the ones that are supposed to be sexual and the ones that are supposed to desire and we are supposed to be desirable. Mm-hmm. So in your, I always want to ask this question, like what's the average, like what's a healthy amount of times to have sex in a week? <laughs> so average and healthy is about once a week. Okay. Okay. Studies show that less than that is going to contribute to more issues in the marriage unless both are in agreement. Okay. So if like if both of you are okay with, you know, once a month, then there's usually right. not and a problem. And there's probably sometimes you're pregnant or you're sick. Yeah. Right. Or... Right. But, you know, when both partners are, you know, about once a week is mm-hmm. considered pretty healthy. Um, it more than once a week, it doesn't show that it contributes to greater happiness. Now, that's what studies say. I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm a whole lot more happier when I'm having sex more than once a week. But that's not necessarily what the studies say. 
Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point. Is that I think a lot of people ask that question. Yeah, I'm glad you well, asked people it. are curious. Like, totally. what's normal? What's not normal? And yeah. then you hear these people that haven't had sex in years. I'm like, yep. okay, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yep. So less than ten times a year is considered a sexless marriage, but I think a lot of us would want it a whole lot more than that. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting because it's like, okay, we get married. We love this person, and then we somehow, you know, use sex maybe as not a weapon, but yeah, a weapon. A weapon. Mm -hmm. And we don't have sex with our spouse, and we think, well, they should love us and take care of us and be happy. Yeah. And it just seems so counterintuitive, but I think a lot of people and a lot of women do this. They absolutely do. And they see sex as somehow just less than. Like, it's not as important. And they think that, you know, there's something wrong with their husband because he wants it so much. So I remember when I was married to my first husband, we'd only been married a few weeks. And we were at BYU, and I just, I didn't understand. I was barely 19 when I got married. And I just didn't understand, like, that he would want sex as much as he did. And I thought I would want it as much as he did. But we were a few weeks in, and I remember sitting in... Um, BYU married housing, like on the cement bench in the middle of the courtyard, just sobbing at like 930 one night. And my neighbor came out and she'd been married like a year longer than so I had. Really experienced. <laughs> really yeah. experienced, yeah. you know, and she's like, what is going on? I'm like, I just didn't know he would want sex that much. <laughs> and it was like, I just didn't understand. But, you know, there's men and women are just made so differently. So Men have, um, on average, about 1,000 anagrams per deciliter of testosterone. Okay, 1,000. Keep that number in your head. Okay. okay. Women at the age of 18 have 76. Wow. wow. So that's a big difference. 1,000 versus 76. And by the time we're 40, it's half that usually. So interesting. So, and testosterone is what is the physiological drive for men. So, and they've got this coursing through them. Like, of course they're going to want sex all the time. Like that makes total sense, right? And we don't have that. And so what we need to do as women is get our brain engaged. Yeah. That's where it comes from for us. We don't have the physiological drive, but we can want it just as much as he does if we can get our brain engaged. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Sex is definitely more mental. Absolutely. So and so, and so how would how, yeah. so how would women let, talk to our women listeners? How do they get engaged more with that? Like, what are some pointers? Right. So, I think one of the very first things that we need to know and remember is that we think that desire should just be there, and if it's not there, then it's a problem. Now, what you're talking about is what um, in the book "Come as You Are" by Emily Nagoski. She talks about spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. So when I'm asking a woman about desire, I ask her, you know, do you just feel it sometimes? And she's like, well, about once a month. And I'm like, okay, that's probably when you're ovulating because hormonally that's when your testosterone peaks. And so it makes more sense that you, you biologically want it more at that time. But other times we have to get our brain engaged first and we have more responsive desire. Responsive desire means that you have to be willing to engage work on the arousal. And once you aroused, then you're like, Oh, I do want this. I do like this. And when we're like, 
that does happen to me. Like once I actually start doing it and get into it, I'm like, oh yeah, I do like this. This is fun. I like it. Yeah. And I think, don't you think majority of time, like after you have sex, you're like, why did I not why do this? Why did I not do why this? Why don't I do this yes. more? This is amazing. Yes. And that is responsive desire. Yeah. That is That's normal for most women. Okay. So what the difference is, is willingness. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to try and get in the mood? And that's what I tell women. I was like, even if you don't feel like you're really there, like, are you willing to try? So, you know, he's like, hey, babe, you want to have sex tonight? And you're like, entice me. Mm-hmm. Get me in the mood. Do what you can. I'm not guaranteeing it. I can't guarantee that I'm going to get there, but I'm willing to try. Right. And, and I, if you I can could, do that, that's going to be so huge. Yeah, that would be really huge. And, and I can see that it actually can be both sides and you know from a another I know this is the women's <laughs> side let me just say it really fast. it's Cause okay because I, I can see like from a guy's perspective as well he could be preoccupied at work he could be thinking about five billion totally. different things and so all of a sudden she might want to be in the mood that night so again it's like entice me and get me there as well mm-hmm. it's like I, I can totally see that that's both things and to your point babe like Sex is so much more mental than it is probably yeah. anything. Well, and yeah. men can have responsive desire too. They're not all spontaneous. Yeah. So like there's a very small percentage of the population that's actually spontaneous desire. So it's really can be both, but it always tends to be spontaneous for one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I really <laughs> like, the will- I like the word willingness because yes. we can all achieve being willing. Yes. And I think it's just a mindset and you have Absolutely. to, you know, you love your spouse. I'm going to be willing and if I really can't get there, I'm going to let them know because I don't want to have starfish sex. Right. I want to, you know, be engaged and really enjoy yes. myself just as much as my husband's enjoying himself. And so so that's a great, great word, great tip. Yeah. So when, when I was in my first marriage, I did not like sex at all. Like I, I didn't have an orgasm for 12 years. I didn't wow. understand my own body. Mm-hmm. Sex was something I did every once in a while to get him off my back until I could stand to do it again. And don't you think a lot of women are in that same yes. position? Yes. So if you're feeling that way, yes. So get I help. had to, I had to work on myself, get mm-hmm. over the shame that I felt mm-hmm. about sex, that I was, you know, a good girl and couldn't do these things, and sex was bad. I had to work on all of that. So, and I did that because my marriage was completely falling apart. And I'm like, well, if the sex gets better, maybe the marriage will get better. And the sex got better, but the marriage did not. So we Mm -hmm. ended up getting divorced. But then I was getting married to my second husband, whose name is also Kevin. (laughs) And Right? (laughs) And we talked about sex before we got married. And he was like, do you like sex? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And And I told him when we got married, I will never turn you down. Because I know that about myself. It's not because it's a duty and I feel like it's my job. It's because I am always willing to try. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. know that I can get there if I'm willing. Yeah. Mm. I agree with that. I, I think I have that same philosophy that if Kevin really wants sex, I'm, I'm I can all get there. in. Yeah. I know, babe. Yeah. I'm a lucky man. <laughs> You're a lucky man. I know. <laughs> so, so you bring up a good point that um, is something that we talked about in preparation for this. How can couples bring up, like, if you're in a relationship and you want to talk about sex and some, you know, things or something mm-hmm. that's bothering you, you want to try, or it's bothering you as a woman, like, or a man, like, how do you bring that up? Like, what are some pointers on how couples can start to engage in these dialogues? Well, we have to understand why we don't engage. 
because we're afraid of the response, right? Yes. We're afraid that rejection they're going to be re- rejection or they're going to be upset or they're going to be embarrassed or something like that. And so we have to be willing to just let them feel whatever they need to feel, but be advocating for what you want in the marriage, advocating for that higher goal of like, this is what a good marriage is. And this is what I want. So that's why I'm willing to make myself uncomfortable, to make you uncomfortable, to get what I actually want for us. It's not just about me and me being selfish and my needs, but what I want for us. Another thing I think this is just a really good tip is to have a conversation about the conversation you're going to have. It's that meta conversation. Mm -hmm. Like this is really hard for me. I've been wanting to bring this up for a couple of weeks, but I'm worried about how you're going to take it. And I'm really embarrassed by what I'm going to be asking, but I feel like it's really important. Mm-hmm. Having that little meta conversation before you actually go into the conversation kind of puts the other person, like get them off the defensive, mm-hmm. right? And like put them like, okay, she's worried about this. So I want to make sure that I'm approaching this well so that she can continue to have these kind of conversations right. with and me. Kevin and I we call it getting naked with each other. Like, yeah. okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a deep conversation here. We're gonna get naked, meaning very vulnerable with absolutely. each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and I'll tell you this that in a relationship, in a couple married relationship, when one spouse can't talk to the other spouse about some issue, sex or something else, mm-hmm. and they find somebody else, they'll talk to the other person about yes. that. And they think like it, again, it's just so much easier and better in so many different ways. Just go talk to your spouse about it. Yeah. Go get uncomfortable a little bit with your spouse to have a conversation about sex and something as opposed to go find somebody else so that you can go talk to them about sex and you're having sex and you're thinking, shit, I could have been doing this with my yeah. husband or wife back home and everything's intact and then blow stuff up and whatever else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I think never have the conversation during sex, like, no. you know, like don't bring up <laughs> things while having sex, but no. I hear of people doing that. I know. I what? know. It's no, so have those it. kind of conversations outside of the bedroom. Yeah. And especially if there's some criticisms and yeah. stuff, make sure that it's done well outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Like not like right afterwards. <laughs> no. It's like, oh babe, that was so good. Well, <laughs> I think you could have done this A couple better. pointers. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Let's talk about the turtle going back in the shell. It's like, I'm just never going to come out again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because it's such a, sex is so vulnerable anyways. It is. It is. Um, maybe, maybe is it safe to say accentuate the positive? Sure. Sure. But if there are problems, you need to address them. You need to be vulnerable and honest. Honesty is so important in a sexual relationship. And I think so many times we hold so much back trying to protect ourselves, trying to protect our spouse. And then we're not being truly honest in those relationships. And that ends up How hurting How can you us. bring that up and not hurt somebody's feelings? I mean, I'm well, just curious. It's like not if, about hurting their feelings. It's about being willing to let them feel whatever they need to feel. But you knowing the honesty is more important. Wow. Okay. Because I think it's important. You're going to have to, you have to say it. You can't control whether it, you're going to get upset or not. I, I agree. I mean, candidly, it's on all subject matters. Like we've talked about that. This is a great, again, better communication outside of the bedroom is going to lead to better sex in the bedroom, right? I mean, yes, but I mean, we are, we are always communicating with our spouse, whether we're saying anything or not. So if we're not willing to say something, that says something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we have to remember that by us even not communicating is communicating. We're just saying we're not willing to feel the discomfort to mm-hmm. communicate. Yeah. 
What are other things that maybe you've seen as issues? I mean, again, you're doing this all the time. Yeah. What are some other things you're saying? These are some serious issues that we've got to do a better job in our society as good Christian people here to, to figure some stuff out. Um, women not understanding their bodies. Okay. That is one of the biggest things I see. I probably half of the women who come to me have never had an orgasm. Do you have like a book that we can read or um, my favorite? So the two books that I recommend the most mm -hmm. to all of my clients are come as you are by Emily Nagoski. Okay. I think that is standard reading for any couple man okay. and woman. The second one for just specifically for women, although it's helpful for men too, because they need to understand their wives anatomy um, is becoming clitorate okay. by Larry Mintz. Why can't I come up with books like this? It's like, what a genius name. What do we get? Right? We get uh, Sex for Saints. Like, amazing. I will tell you really fast as a side note. When we got married, Jennifer's OBGYN brought us in. I didn't even know what the hell I was doing there. But he brought us in before we got married, and he pulled out flip charts. Wow. And said, he said, like, he told her, he said, you know what? There are times he's going to come home. Uh, from work and he's just going to have sex and you should probably just do it and just did a... That's so horrible. That was bad <laughs> advice. Well, I'm not telling you that it was great advice. I'm saying, but the flip chart thing, he said, look, you need to like make sure that she knows where to be touched and uh, to stimulate her and, and everything. I was just like, wow, I didn't know what I was doing here, but we left with flip charts and <laughs> yeah. diagrams and That's great. Everything. I mean, that's so, good. Th right. So my point is like, this guy was trying. Yes. If nothing else, he was trying to like help us engage in a conversation about sex yep. as young, you know, Christian people that were trying to figure some stuff out. Yeah. And uh, so I applaud him for that. So those, those are two books when you said that about what was the clitoris? <laughs> becoming uh, clitoris. Yeah, becoming clitoris. <laughs> yeah. So with that uh, reminded me, I was like, oh, that was one of the flip charts. And I that think um, like we have the joy of sex. Yeah. There's that book. And the joy of sex is actually not a great one. It's not a good book. No. I've, I've never read it. I've just looked it's, at the it's, pictures. It's pretty old and outdated, has a lot of really outdated okay. stuff well, in it. Well, we were recommended that like but another good years one. Ago. Yeah. Right, another good one that I really recommend to mostly men, but again, women should. It's called She Comes First. And it teaches men about women's sexuality and really about how to pleasure them through oral sex, which is the most reliable way for most women to orgasm. So Interesting. So tell me, um, again, going back to issues that women have. So they keep saying this again. like They don't um, know their own body. Don't know their own yeah. body. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, like I said, I didn't know I had clitoris for 12 years. Like, had no idea. Had no idea how to have an orgasm. Yeah, and I get so I'm many. Brought up in health classes. Not brought up in the eighth <laughs> no, grade health class. No, because, because women's pleasure is seen as secondary. And so most of the time, the clitoris and other erectile tissue that women have, women have as much erectile tissue as a man does. And just in their network. But we are not educated on what that is about our own bodies most of the Do time. Do they talk about that in sex education? No. Okay. No. Because, you know, I know a lot we of We don't people... talk about pleasure in sex education. No, it's all so, about, yeah. like, functionality, how to get pregnant or how to get pregnant yeah. or whatever. It's not and like... STIs and STIs. So yeah. how do we get better at teaching our kids this? Like... We get more comfortable with it ourselves. Yeah, that is true. I mean, everybody asks me, like, how do I teach my kids this? I'm like, you get really comfortable with yourself, and then you're going to be a lot more comfortable talking to right. your kids. I always tell my kids I become sex positive because I want them to be able to yeah. come to me 
about any issue yep. and I'm not going to be mad at him. I'm not going to be angry. Which is so good. And because I think, you know, you know, if we're going to talk about pornography, people don't, they think, oh, only, you know, that's found, I don't know. But really everyone, everyone has seen pornography. Everybody. Pornography yep. is everywhere. Yep. You cannot protect your kids from ever seeing pornography. But I think a lot of women believe they can. Well, and babe, I'll say this to you is that so we've got two older daughters, mm-hmm. and they're, a lot of their friends are getting married. Yep. And there have been several that have come to our daughters to say, can I talk to your mom about sex? Because I can't talk to my yeah. parents about it. Like, I get that too. And, <laughs> I'm sure you do, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're just like the bartender that someone's talking to, you know? Yep. Like you're the expert. And so I look at it and say, um, yeah, to your point, babe, is that you've become a little more open and discussing this as a natural thing. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, would you say that we're so afraid to bring this up for fear that our kids are going to run out and have like crazy yes. wild sex yes. if I bring it up. So let me just not yeah. bring it up at all. But studies show the more educated children are and teenagers are about sex, the less likely they are to engage in sexual behavior, especially risky sexual behavior. So they will put off their sexual debut later. They're more informed, so they're not going to have fewer pregnancies, fewer STIs, the more informed they are. So the more comfortable you can get, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't feel awkward, okay? Sure. You just have to be willing to feel the awkward and talk to them about it, and they're going to be better off, and you're going to be better off. You have to remember, you are your children's role model when it comes to sex and a sexual relationship. So yeah. what do you want to be modeling for them? Yeah, and I think it's so important to kiss your partner and your husband and hold hands and yes. do all that as yes. a woman because your kids need to see that. Yes. You don't want them to have like, well, my mom and dad never even like held hands or yep. they wouldn't, you know, and I, I hate people at church. We don't sit by each other at church. We right? need to start sitting by each other at church. Yes. yes. You know, and you have all your kids in the middle, but no, you need to. Be in solidarity with your husband Absolutely. And, and sit together. I always know the couples in church that have a good sex life because they yeah. sit together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So now everyone listening, they're all going <laughs> to They're, they're going to be looking. Each other. They're like, are you well, kidding me? And they're going to be looking in yeah. the congregation yeah. who's sitting next to each other and who's they're not. They're like, damn, dude, our whole congregation hates each other. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, right. Like, bring me in to come and talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think so true. I think we need to be more open and comfortable and... Show affection because, you know, we married this person forever, supposedly. But then if we don't want to have sex with them, then like uh, forever is going to be a very long time. It's going to be a very long time. And I I think that you brought up a good point. I I jokingly say the two things as parents that we just hope our kids find out about are sex and money. Mm -hmm. Like I don't feel comfortable talking to somebody about money and I feel comfortable talking to them about sex. So I hope you just figure it out or you read some magic book that just figures it all out for you on high. And what they're going to do is find pornography and you don't want them to or learn b- about or, sex or bad pornography. advice. Bad yeah. advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. What you want them coming to you. Yeah. Yep. And that means that you need to do your own work. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, thanks so much, Amanda. I've loved this conversation and maybe we'll have you back. Yeah. Well, I would love to come back. I think it's going to be our most popular episode for sure. But thanks for teaching us all about sex, and hopefully you all out there, we have more sex. If you want more relationship tips, get on my email list, lifecoachgen2.0 at gmail.com, or go to my website, relationship411podcast.com, and sign up for a free consultation to get more personal help with your relationships. 
As always, follow us at Relationship 411 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships. So you don't have to call 911 for yours. 